right. Good afternoon. It's a great day here in the Pacific Northwest. I can't wait to introduce our first guest uh, to what this is going to be our first episode. We're going to kick off our monthly interview series. After writing my book, I felt compelled to tell stories of people that have been through hardship and different things. And uh, the first guest has had a few of his own life challenges. Uh, he's gone and transformed from alcoholic to pasture and now leads a life to help other people to live a better life. Uh, I've known my guest for more years than I really want to admit, um, but he's a great guy. You're about to meet a guy who I think would agree it's a miracle that him and I are both still alive. But the nice thing is, is it gives us an opportunity to be able to share what we've been through. And I think that's why we are both still here. Uh, I don't want to give away too much of our story because we're going to be talking about that and the history uh, between us. Um, and I'm humbled to introduce a man who's become a model of what it means to overcome obstacles and build a life of wealth and fulfillment. So please welcome Pastor Jeff Turner of Christ Community Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, thanks, Kelly. Thanks for being with me. How's it going? Going well. Going well. Good. Nice and hot out here in South Dakota. Is it? What's yeah. the temperature out there right now? About 90, 90 degrees or so, and, and we get pretty humid out here, so it's really humid as well. Well, let's, let's take a walk down memory lane, Jeff. Are you ready for that? You bet. You bet. You good with that? Yeah. Okay. So we've known each other for quite a while. We met in high school, although we didn't hang out a lot in high school, right? Mm-mm. So no, no, we didn't. What we high school? Well, we wrestled together. Yeah, we wrestled together. You usually showed up at the same, some of the same parties together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we uh, we had you know mutual a couple of mutual friends, but you and I never really never really hung out uh, all that much, and but yeah. we had a lot of mutual friends. So we didn't hang out much, but we partied together. So, what what type of student were you? I mean, myself, you know, I had to negotiate my way out of high school, and I wasn't a very good student. Yeah. But uh, how about yourself? You know, I was about a I was a very much an underachiever. I should have done a whole lot better than I did. Um, I was like a C, low, mid C average. Yeah. So, did you get in any trouble in high school? I know, you know, I was in trouble all the time. Mm-hmm. How about yourself? Did you ever get in any trouble in high school? I did. You know, um, unfortunately, I got a uh, my junior year. I think I got a minor in possession. Okay. Um, and then my senior year, I got a DWI my on my 18th birthday, my senior year. Oh well, good birthday present, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. <laughs> oh man, that was yeah. I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where that happens, and you go, "How am I ever going to survive this?" Yeah. Uh, and it was at the moment, it, it was horrible. It was, it was a horrible. Yeah, 18th birthday and been out drinking, all, been drinking all day, and get the uh, yeah get um get a, the um, DWI my 18th birthday. Was that when you ran into one of our friends' houses? I, I did. That's exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, hit his house. Yeah. Hit his house. Okay. Yeah. Well, by the time I was 18, I had been in two car accidents and a motorcycle accident, so we weren't too far off from each other, were we? No, 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 not at all. No. So, remind me how you ended up in Southern California. I was living down there. I was, you know, partying pretty hard and living down there. And then all of a sudden you show up one day. How, how did that happen? 
You know, I don't know how I was living in Everett, Washington at the time, working for a uh, for a company, and um, I don't know how we got reconnected, but uh, but we did. And um, I came down for vacation. You you must have invited me, or I, I don't know how, but I came down for vacation. Uh, had a had a well had a great time great time party, and I thought you know what I want to I want to transfer down here. So I transferred down to, to Southern California and, and moved in with you and you and Tim. And, um, oh, man, uh, yeah, how, yeah, the rest is history after that. <laughs> so, so what were you? You were 21 then? 22? Uh, so that would have been 88. I'd have been, I was like 20, 22 or 23. 22, 23, okay. So yeah. on at 18, you got your first DUI. Now you're 22 and you're moving down to Southern California. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you know you had a problem? with alcohol back then? Um, when, when did you first realize that or understand that you did? I think, yeah, I, I think, I think I had inklings that I had a problem because that wasn't that DWI on my 18th birthday. That wasn't the first one I had. I got two more after that. Oh, you did. Yeah. I was, I was 21 and then 22, but I got, I got out of both of those uh, that got them down to, they were negligent driving or whatever. Um, so did you get those up here in Washington as well? I did. Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I, I think I kind of thought I had a problem, but it wasn't until we were living in California and and man, we, we were, oh, (laughs) you were seeing a mirror of yourself. Oh, how, how we survived living down there. Uh, I'll never know, but, um, but it was, I came back, I came back from there in 80, 89 or 90. 90. And, uh, was it 90? Okay. So 90. January yep. of 1990, we both yep. moved back. Yep. yep. So when you're living in, living in California, you didn't, you didn't really think you had a problem or oh, I, didn't I, want to accept you had a problem? Or? Yeah, I, 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 I certainly wasn't ready to accept I had a problem. But okay. it, wasn't, it wasn't long after I moved back, a few months after I moved back. And I'm just like, you know, this is, life is not working. It's not working. This is not working for me. Uh, living the way I'm living is just not working for me. And, um, and not long after, a few months after we got back, I went, in, I went into, a, into a, a 30-day treatment center not long after we got back. Oh, you did? Okay. Because we moved back in January of 1990. Yeah, and it must have been about March, or April, March April, May, something like that. Okay. I, went to, I went to treatment somewhere in there, March, April, or May. Okay. So yeah. we moved back, you go, cause you moved back to uh, Olympia area, right? Um, just to, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yep. I moved back up to Skagit County. You moved yep. back there and we kind of lost contact for a little while. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we didn't really keep in touch after that. Yeah. I think we'd, we'd seen enough of each other down in California. <laughs> <laughs> we, we both figured we survived. We better get away from each other, Pro- right? Probably so. Probably so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it, it's amazing. The transformations you go through. Yeah. So yeah, I, I ended up sobering up that May. Okay. So yeah. you, you went into a rehab facility, you said, in March or of that yeah. year? Yeah, somewhere in March, April, or May. And then, um, you know, did, did my 30 days in there, and I got out. And um, so, was, hmm? so was there, was there something that, that made you go, wait a minute, I need to really step back. I need to go check myself in. I need, you know, for me, it was, I, you know, I, I had two DUIs as well. I had one in Southern California, and then when I moved back here to Washington, I got one. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting out of that one, but 
you know, for me, the last weekend I drank, I, I mean, it's like it happened yesterday. Yeah. I yeah. got drunk Friday night. I went out with a bunch of friends. I ended up driving back to where we were staying and I ended up doing some donuts in the road. And I think the cops liked it better than I did because they sat there and watched me. They hauled me to jail. It took me three days to realize what had happened because I had a hangover for three days. Okay. When I woke up, I said, I'm never drinking again. Yeah. And I mean, I was, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yep. So I, I mean, I hit rock bottom right then. Was there something that happened with you when you said, you know what, I got to go do something. I think, I think I, I was, I was in the place of being sick and tired of being sick and tired, but I, I look back now, I was not ready to quit drinking. You weren't. Um, no, okay. I, I got out of treatment and I was drinking two weeks after I got out of treatment. I was drinking again. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And um, then I, I, I would, dr I drank for a whole nother year until I finally got sober in, in May of 91. Okay. And what yeah. had, what, what changed there? What really spurred you there to say, okay, now it's really time. I think, you know, I, I was, I was near suicidal at that time. Okay. I was, um, you know, life was not working in any way, shape or form. Um, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, uh, sick and tired of being broke. I was sick and tired of, of, um, just life, just life, life, just not working. Yeah. And, um, and I knew some, something would have to change or I, or I was, uh, I was either going to die of alcoholism or I was going to take my own life. I mean, something, something wasn't, something bad was going to happen. And what, you're 25 then when? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I was 25. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I heard you say once, there's nothing good living inside of me right now. Mm -hmm. What was going on that when you was, said that? You know, that was that, that place of hitting bottom. And, and, and let's see, I got sober in May of 91, about probably June of 91. Um, I had a sponsor who, you know, who'd working with me. And um, he, uh, I called him and told him I felt like drinking. I was ready. And I was only sober a month or so. So I felt like drinking. He said, shut up, quit your whining, get to a meeting. <laughs> and, um, and I'll see you in, a, in an hour. So I went to this meeting. I got there before he did. And I sat in this meeting and I, um, I, I, I broke down in that meeting and I was like, I am, I am a no good, I'm a lying, thieving, no good piece of crap. And there is nothing that good that lives in me right now. And I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And that was pro that was the first time I had ever just said, this is, this is me. This is, this is who I really am, but I don't like who I really am. And then that that was that was that that hitting bottom or that moment of surrender, um, where I'm just like I, I I'm I'm just done I'm just done with this, um, and I, I had no clue where it went from there where it would go from there. Right. But I was but I, I just knew that at that point I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I was I was done. So where did it go from there? Can you give us a little journey of well yeah of I, what you went through there? Yeah, I had you know I had my sponsor John and John. Um, uh, who's still my sponsor today after, after 29 years. And he, uh, you know, John, John had some rules. And some of the rules was, um, number one, there was no relationship for a year. He said, I won't say it the way he said it, but he said, garbage attracts garbage. And um, that's not the way he said <laughs> That's it. why we lost contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't know I'd sobered up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said, you know, he said no relationship for a year. He said, you know, you are enough trouble. I don't need you dragging in a woman that has the same problems you have because you're going to attract who you are. Mm -hmm. 
so there was that. There was no, he said, no, 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 no griping and moaning. You do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it or get out. Um, and then there, there were, um, uh, there were some other, he said, we will work the 12 steps. We're going to work the 12 steps. And, and um, so then, so, so that began that process. And that's where, where you ask yourself, am I willing to do whatever it takes? Because the hitting bottom is one part, but then the other part that goes with it is, am I willing to do whatever it takes? And not when, not when it's easy. Anyone can get sober or anyone can make changes when it's easy. Mm-hmm. But it's that, it's that when it's not easy. Um, are, you, are you willing to do whatever it takes when it's not easy? And, that, and that's where that change, that hitting, you have that surrender, that hitting bottom. And then I'm ready, to, you know what, I'm ready to do whatever it takes. I, I'm, and that was what John asked us, are you willing? Uh-huh. Are, you, are you willing? And uh, so if you're not willing, then you're just wasting your time. What are, what are some, some things that you felt you had to do that you had to be willing to do in order to stay sober? Well, I mean, what, well, well first of all, just, was just, just to follow John. I mean, whatever John mm-hmm. said went. And, um, you know, I, I needed to go to meetings. You know, so I went to meetings. I needed to read the big book. So I read the big book. I needed to, you know, to, to, you know, make changes, you know, make change, you know, quit doing the things I used to do and start doing, start doing other, other things that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've been sober for what, 29 years now? Yeah. Yeah. May was and, 29 years. And you had a relapse after, well, the first you had a relapse and then from there forward, it's been 29 years since. Yep. Okay. Yep, Did yep. you ever have any moments after that where it's like, oh my God, what am I doing? How am I going to get through this? Yeah, I did. And in fact, it's, um, I call it, uh, keeping the back door there because, you know, when you're making changes, you're, you're going, okay, this, this new life, I don't know if this is going to work out. This is my thinking. I don't know if mm-hmm. this is going to work out or not. So I'm going to keep your old life close by because I, because I know that, I mean, it was hell and it was a terrible life, but it was all I knew. And, um, you know, there, there's a great story in, in the, the Old Testament where um, the children of Israel are leaving the promised land, or, or they're going to the promised land, they're leaving slavery in Egypt, they're going to the promised land. And they get just a couple of days out from Egypt, and they start whining and crying, going, it's, it's hot, you know, there's no food out here, there's no, and they say, can't we go back to Egypt? Well, Egypt was slavery, yeah. but, it, but it was all they knew. But they were whining and crying when they were in slavery. Now they're out of slavery, but they're whining and crying because they're going someplace different. And the problem is it's someplace different. And that's exactly how I felt was I was going to someplace that's different. And, and I was like, how, how, how am I going to get there? How is this? This feels uncomfortable. This is new. Um, but so I kept the, back, the old life kind of close by. But then as I kept doing what I was doing, I was living my way away from the old life. And then pretty soon... I can't tell you when, but pretty soon there came a day where I was like, you know what? I don't want anything to do with the old life. I want to keep, keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but to answer your question, there were absolutely days where I'm like, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't like this. Let's go back to what we know. You, one time you, we were talking and you talked about looking for the exit signs. Yeah. Well, that was um, one of the things, you know, John, John, John was a Christian. And, um, and I wanting no, wanted nothing to do with God. Me and God had been on the out for a long time, and I wanted nothing to do with God. Um, I, I was pretty angry with him and, and pretty kind of fed up with him. 
But I knew that John was sober, and I knew that John had some things that I needed in my life. And I knew he went to church. So one day I asked him, can I go to church? And he said, I think he was a shock that I asked, that I was that I asked. And so I went to church with him, and, uh, and we walk into church, and I'm going, okay, I haven't been in church since I was a little boy. I so don't know, uh, mm-hmm. so how, how far into recovery now are you when this uh, happens? I'm maybe three, four, five months into recovery, maybe something like okay, that. Okay, so it's yeah. pretty soon. It, it's pretty early. Yeah, pretty soon. Okay. And so I go, I go to the church with him, and we walk in, and the first thing I'm looking for is the exit signs, you know, those, those neon exit signs, mm-hmm. because I'm thinking, if it gets weird in here, I want to know how to get out of here in a hurry. <laughs> you know, and, 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 I don't, and I don't care what happens. I don't care. But I need to know how to get out of here in a hurry. So I'm looking for exit signs to get, to get, to get out of there. And, um, you know, and you talk to John and his wife, and they will tell you that they knew I was nervous. So they sat on either side of me in the pew. They sat on either, to keep, <laughs> keep me to keep me from bolting out. They kept, they sat on either side of me. I don't care. I'd have gone over the back or over the front, but, but um, figured out a way out, huh? That's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So so that's that's looking for the exit signs. Is looking looking for the way out. And and you know that and that's you know when we're when we come to a place, whatever it may be in our lives, and we and we we know we need to make changes, and we begin that 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 process of change, which which is a process. It, you know, we 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 will look for the exit signs. You know, we will mm-hmm. try to go back to the old life, or 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 just, or just give up, or whatever. But we 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 look for the exit signs to get because it's uncomfortable. Change is uncomfortable. Comfortable. Change is hard. So you're at church. You're looking for you're looking at the exit signs, and you decide that no, I don't need to go to them. No. no. Was was there a message? Was there something that hit you that said, "This is my calling. This is where I'm going." I don't. You know, that's a great question. I I don't. All I know is that I heard things I needed to hear, and I kept, and and the people. My home church was fantastic. You know, I, I walked in. I, I've got an earring. I'm wearing an earring. I got, I got long hair. Look, look, you know, the '80s mullet going on. Um, you Same know. thing I had when I moved back from California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I just, uh, you know, they they just accepted me for 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 what I was and where I was. They didn't, you know, nobody said, "Hey, get your haircut, get rid of the earring, or whatever." They just they just welcomed me there, and, and I, and I, and I kept going. I kept going back, and I think you know. In fact, I can tell you this: John and I would go to a meeting every Saturday night. There was an eight o'clock AA meeting we would go to, and then afterward we would meet and, and we'd have long conversations about things I was struggling with, things I was dealing with, making changes in my life, and then I would go to church on Sunday morning. And I'm not kidding you. Every Sunday morning, the pastor at that time was preaching on whatever I was struggling with and was talking to John. I swore John was calling the pastor <laughs> on Saturday night, telling him what to say Sunday morning yeah. because I need to hear it. Wow. And, that, and, that, and that, kept, that, kept, that kept me coming back. So when, when did you decide to get into ministry then? Well, I, it was probably uh, six or seven months after going to the church, maybe not even that long. Um, 
the other, so the first part of my, my, my surrender was surrendering to the fact that I'm an alcoholic and that, mm-hmm. that I've got to make changes. My second surrender was the surrender to Christ. And at some point in time, Christ spoke to me and, and, and I, I came to faith in Christ. And it wasn't, and then it was, I don't know, maybe a year after that, people began seeing, seeing things in my life and they began saying, you know what, we think you have the gift of pastoral ministry. And I'm going, I just want to get sober. I just want to get my <laughs> life together. I don't, I don't care about pastoring the church. That, uh-huh. that, I, I've got no, but you know, God has a sense of humor. Um, and, so um, when you were younger, did you, did your family go to church? No, no, we you didn't. Okay. Sometimes I would go to, to Sunday school uh, or I'd go to Sunday school or go to um, uh, vacation Bible school a little bit, but my family wasn't, you know, my grandmother, my dad's mom, who she passed away here a couple of years ago, she went to church and she would take me and my sisters once in a while, but, but we were not a church going family at all. And okay. Yeah, no, not at all. Okay. So then you, you kind of, you're getting the message, you're, you're coming in, you're, you know, it's re- resonating with you every time. So then moving forward, when, what, tell us the path you took. You know, I, I, you know, there were, there were people around me um, that are near and dear to my heart even still today because they saw things in me that I didn't see in myself at the time. And they took me under their wing. They encouraged me. They helped me to, to understand what was, you know, what was going on in me. Um, I, you know, I was, I, was, I was a mess. I was, uh, I was just, a, just a huge mess. But things began happening. And I began getting opportunities to maybe work with the youth or work, uh, do some teaching um, and things, you know, exercising the gifts that I had. I began to, and people began training me and teaching me how to do that. And then, um, then finally one day someone said, you know, have you thought about going to Bible college? And um, I thought, you know, I, I, I mean, I had no clue how this worked, what happened, how to do any of this. So in 1994, we have our 10-year reunion. Mm-hmm. And we go, and it was at the country club in Burlington. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was a moron in high school. I mean, I was a class clown. I was always doing stupid stuff, saying stupid stuff, um, hitting, hitting houses with my car. <laughs> and... Um, Good thing we didn't hang out in high school. It, yeah, we yeah, good chance we both yeah. we both yeah, we never would have made it to Southern California. Yeah, but I was able to go to this class reunion, and 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 I was leaving. This was in June, and I was leaving in August to go to Bible College in North Dakota. And so we, I get to this this reunion, and everyone's like, "Oh, Turner's here! Turner's here! The party can start!" We can. I'm like. Guys, I'm th- I'm three years sober by now. Guys, I'm sober. Don't drink anymore. Um, and then and they were like, "What?" <laughs> they were probably disappointed, huh? They, they were. Yeah, they <laughs> to were. To find out to find out you and I both had sobered up by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and so I uh, then they found out I was going to Bible college. And then I got up and I, I remember they wanted to have an opening prayer right before the meal. And someone asked me to do it. And so I, I do probably this, me. I, yeah. <laughs> I do. I do this opening prayer and everyone's going, what in the world is going on with you? 
And it was, it was that moment of redemption from being what I was in high school, just totally screwed up in every way and having an opportunity for people to see me in a whole different way. And that was, that was the work that God had done to me in those three years. And it was, it was awesome to be able to walk in there and say, Here, here's a new person. This is not the person that you knew in high school. This is the new person who's here. So, um, so yeah, that was, that, was, uh, that was an awesome thing to be able to have happen. Yeah, a lot of growth there. It was, it was, yeah. yeah. That's the, you know, that's the thing is so many people are afraid to look in the mirror mm-hmm. and accept their, you know, their faults yeah. and change them. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you and I, you know, talking about earlier living in Southern California. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, look at our old roommate. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, for, for every one that makes it or every one that, that gets, that gets their life turned around, there's one, there's one, there, there, there's a lot who don't. A lot who don't. And for those on here, we had a roommate when we lived back in Southern California that he passed away in December Mm -hmm. at 50 years old from alcoholism. So thank God we were able to make it. High five to us. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. 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 So as you're going through this, you get to Bible college and, Mm -hmm. and you're, you know, you're, you're studying and stuff for that. Did you ever have to look back and, and figure out, you know, how did I become an alcoholic? Why, why did I, this path take me there and now where I'm going? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into it. I, I, you know, my belief is that, that part of it is, um, hereditary, but mm-hmm. part of, part of it is also, um, if we have if we have trauma in our lives, or we have some social things that happen in our lives, or we have a, 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 a low self esteem of ourselves, that plays into it as well. And um, I can tell you, I had, I can remember the first drink I ever took. I was at an eighth grade dance down in, in down in uh, just outside of Olympia, Washington, and a group of us were passing around a pint of Southern Comfort, and I don't know if they liked it. But I, I took that first drink of that, and I look back now, that's been, that's, that's like 40 years ago, and I was screwed. From You're the dating back. yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, was, I was screwed from that moment on. Mm-hmm. I, look, I look back now. I, I was in trouble then. I just didn't know it because I took that first drink, and I liked it. I mean, I immediately liked it. You know, it's funny you say that because the same thing happened with me. I remember when I took my first drink and it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I knew from that point forward, I was an alcoholic Yeah, yeah. because it was in my family. Yeah. And I was told my whole life it was in my family. Yeah. So was there any alcoholism in your family? Oh, yeah. 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 You know, yeah, we, yeah, we had a lot of alcoholics, a lot, alcohol flowed freely in my, in my, in the whole family. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you said, you know you talked about trauma or something. Was there, there, was there some, some traumatic stuff that happened that made you turn to it? Yeah. You know, when I was uh, eight or nine years old, you know, my grandfather died of a heart attack when I was nine, when I was eight. And then, um, not right about the time he died, my parents got divorced. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, uh, a few months after they got divorced, I had an aunt who was my grandfather's daughter 
or yeah, daughter, and um, and she committed suicide. Oh wow! So, and this is this is like in a in like a six month period of 1974, and that my grandfather died, my parents get divorced, and my aunt commits suicide, and um, and yeah, that and so there there was that, and then I I grew up with a hearing, uh, I had a you know, pretty significant hearing loss, so I also have a speech impediment, and so there were there were just I was just had self esteem issues growing up, all that type of stuff. Hated hated public speaking. Didn't want to <laughs> do public speak. So yeah, now I'm a pastor. You know. <laughs> well, and I think part of part of our drinking is our self confidence, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. I, I was the same way. I didn't like being in front of people. Mm-hmm. You know, and here I'm a public speaker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're a pastor, right? Yeah. yeah, my most of my life is is getting up and speaking publicly. Yeah. Yeah. Even though we hit it behind alcohol for so many yep. years, didn't we? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, here, here's something. I, I was looking at an article here, and with what's going on right now in, in the world and everything with the coronavirus and everything, mm-hmm. you know, there was a study that was done by the uh, recovery village in Florida, mm-hmm. and it says... Um, Findings by the Recovery Village, a Florida-based network of addiction treatment facilities, reflects on expected increase in substance and use during the pandemic, mm-hmm. which Americans reported a 55% rise in alcohol consumption in the last month. With it came to illegal drugs at 36% increase. So you talk about trauma, you talk about things that are going on. I mean, right now with what's going on, mm-hmm. and I've, I've heard a lot of people say that alcohol sales are through the roof right now. Yeah, the other thing that I've, I do some work for a treatment center, um, work with recovering alcoholics and addicts. And um, what we're also seeing is a high degree of relapse. You know, that people, and people, have been sober, mm-hmm. people who've been sober for many years are relapsing part of the reason is that they've had to shut down the AA meetings. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So people haven't been able to go to AA meetings. And so there's been, there's been a high degree of relapse as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So you're, you're doing a lot working with people. So you're doing your ministry now. Mm-hmm. And then you're also working with, with recovering addicts and stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I believe that, that, you know, the ministry, uh, that I was called to do is, is mm-hmm. why well, I, I pastor a church. Um, you know, I, I'm more of a teacher than a preacher. I mean, I, I preach every Sunday, but I'm more of a teacher in the way that I preach. Um, but I also, I mean, my, my past is a part of, is a part of my ministry. Okay. Um, so I get, so I, I go down to a treatment center uh, once a week and work, you know, work with guys down there. And um, so, yeah, part of my ministry is, you know, and, and it seems it seems inevitable wherever I pastor at, I end up having a couple of alcoholics that show up in the church. If for no other reason, they think, "Wow, an alcoholic who's a pastor, I, I got to come check this out." So they, you know, <laughs> they, they don't see too many alcoholic pastors. So tell us about your church. I mean, you've been you've been to a few different ones, but mm-hmm. you're in South Dakota right now. Yeah, yeah, uh, the first church I pastored out of seminary was here in Sioux Falls. Then I left here and went to Moses Lake, Washington. And then I was in Dodge City, Kansas for 11 years. And we moved from Dodge City up here three years ago. So I've been here just, just about just three years. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a church here in, here in Sioux Falls. It's about 
maybe 12 years old. Um, and we're, yeah, it's, uh, we have, oh, between 40 to, between 30 to 50 people that come, that come every Sunday. Um, it's been a lot less with the pandemic. Uh, we've had to rethink how we do things. Um, do, mm-hmm. been more. We've always done our services online, um, but now it's even more, uh, even even more, uh, more primarily primarily online. Even though we have reopened, people are coming to the church again. Uh, there's still a number of people who watch it online. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, we definitely took different paths to get where we're at. That's for that, sure. That we did. Yeah. That I mean, we did. I, you know, I, t- I took the business path. Mm-hmm. You took the, the spiritual religious path, but you know, we're both helping people. And, and I think that's the main thing, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's probably why we survived what we did. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there any other reason that you can think of why, why we've survived what we've been through? <laughs> You know, I think, I think, you know, just looking, looking that the God, God has a plan for our lives. And, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So when's your book coming out? You know, you got my book. I wrote it, and, <laughs> you know, to talk about my, my path of what I've went through. Yeah. I'm, you know, I mentioned John to you. John had been on me for years to write a book. In fact, he mm-hmm. just sent me, he just sent me an email the other day. Uh, or something on Facebook, I think saying, When's the book? Gonna, in fact, in fact, I sent him an invite to the, to this, and he asked me when. Uh, when are you gonna? When's the book coming out? When are you writing your book? So I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're not sure yet, huh? Not sure yet. Yeah, but I, I find myself thinking a little more about it now than I, than I, than I have. Yeah. 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 Okay. So what what all is Jeff up to today? So. What's that? I said, what all is Jeff up to today? As far as what? As far as uh, helping with recovery, church. Well, um, I am, uh, like I said, I go down to the treatment center. Uh, um, I've got, uh, you know, the, the church here, we have church services every Sunday. We're not doing our, our, our any midweek type stuff, but we're not meeting in a midweek sense. It's just because of the pandemic going on. Um, it has really slowed ministry-wide from a pastor, and it's probably it's probably a challenging for a pastor right now, just because we can't get together like 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 we used to. Um, so I, you know, we uh, we have a meeting on Zoom that we meet on Zoom every Thursday and have a have a time of prayer and and just a, a time for people to connect whoever wanted to join the, the Zoom meeting. Um, has your church opened back up? Have you been able to get back into it? Yeah, yeah, we opened we opened May third. We reopened May third. Okay. And so we've uh and we've had um anywhere from ten to thirty people who who've been here. Um then we have another twenty or thirty that show up online as well and just watch it online. Um we have it on okay. YouTube every Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So awesome. You know what I've done? Um I've done I've done police chaplaincy. I've been a I've been a police chaplain in the past, not here in Sioux Falls right now, but in places I've been at. I've been a police chaplain, so I've worked, which is basically a pastor for the for the police officers. I've done that as well, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so yeah, I, you know, do a little bit of. Then I've got I've got my two my two teenage kids. I got a seventeen year old and eighteen year old that are that are growing up, and you know, my wife my wife as well. We've been married twenty five years, so yeah, it's. Uh, 
I got, She's put up with you for 25 years. You no, know, we were talking about that the other day. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we were talking to my mom. My mom did the same thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So you talked a lot about your sponsor. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's, what's the difference between a sponsor, a mentor and leaders? You know, I would, I would say there, there's not a whole lot of, 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 of difference. Um, okay. You know, John, you know, there, one, one of the things that I think, I think we, I think we struggle with when we're making changes in our lives is that, is that we want to get to the end. We, we want, we want to get, get to the promised land, if you will. We want to get to where, and, we, and one of the things that we don't do, is we don't enjoy the process. Um, and I, and, and, and I was the same way early on. And then there came a time, there came a time where I began to enjoy the process. And the process was going to meetings all the time. The process was, was learning how to be honest. The process was, was learning how, was doing the thing to change my life that I needed to do. Um, you know, like one of the things John, John taught me how to do, his, he, taught me how to, he taught me how to pray because I wanted nothing to do with God. So I commuted every day from Olympia up to Seattle every day on I-5. And um, so, and I commuted by myself. So John said, he was teaching me how to practice that God was with me no matter where I went. So when I got in my car, I had a 1989 Geo Metro that I rode. It drove every day. That little blue one? No, it was no, it was a great. That, no, that one, I lost that one. That was, okay. this, was, this, was a, this was a great one. I can't believe you remember that though. <laughs> but um, he told me to get in and to reach over to, to buckle the passenger seat seat belt before I buckled my own, and that was a reminder every day that the, the God was with me wherever I was going. Um. So, so those, those were things that, that those were ways that John mentored me or John sponsored me in, in helping me to work on changing my life. And, um, you know, and then there were, there were times where, where he called me out on stuff, you know, I'd be doing mm-hmm. stuff that was, that, you know, I clearly, I wasn't supposed to be doing and he'd be, and he'd, he'd put a boot in my butt and say, what, what, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing this? Why, mm-hmm. what, you know? So, um, so yeah, so I would say there, there's not much of a difference between a sponsor a mentor and uh, um, a the leader. Coach, leader or coach. Yeah. 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 So are you, uh, are you sponsor for people? You know, I, I do. I, I uh, you know, I will ask guys, I will tell guys that um, I, I'm willing to sponsor them. Um, I've got, you know, I'll be careful how I say this. I think um, the way that I was brought up in, in AA with John was, some, there are times you need to have a boot in your ear mm-hmm. and um, not everyone wants to have that these days. They want to be told, you know, Oh, you're okay. You'll be okay. You know, there's this kind of coddling thing. And, and, you know, it doesn't mean that John was mean. It just means that he was, there were times where he was willing to put a boot in your ear to, to get you where you needed to be. And not everyone wants that. So I have guys that, that will ask me to sponsor him. I will. Um, but, but the sponsorship is up to them. I mean, they need to call me. I'm not chasing them down, you know, to, to, to sponsor them. You know, if you want me to sponsor, you need to call me. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, not everyone. And that, that's where you, that's where you find out how committed or like I said earlier, how willing people are because 
they're willing as long as it's easy. Yeah. But when it gets hard, then they're not willing anymore. And so, yeah, and it takes, yeah, it takes the hard work. Yeah. And like it we does. said earlier, you got to look in the mirror, right? Yep. You know, I, I, I began, you asked me about, about riding my bike earlier and I began listening cycling about, uh, I think this is, this is year five for me. And I learned early on on a bicycle that there are days when you have a 10 mile an hour, like tailwind. And man, those are great days to ride a bike. You got a 10 mile an hour tailwind, that, that feels so good. But unfortunately, that wind is going to shift at some point in time. You're going to have a, have a 10 mile an hour headwind. And those days really suck bad. You're doing, you know, you're doing 10, 15, 15 miles an hour and you're just dying. You got this headwind. But it's not always going to be like that either. There are times where the wind is going to shift. You're going to have a tailwind again. But the difference is, are you, are you willing to keep pedaling the bike? even when you have a 10 mile an hour tailwind, because there are a lot of days where I thought, you know, screw it. I'm getting off this bike and I'm, and I'm throwing it in the ditch or whatever, <laughs> and I'm done, but you got to keep going. Then there are days through the day in Dodge city. I got a 15 mile an hour headwind. I'm just dying. I'm out in the middle of nowhere in Kansas and I've got half a dozen Turkey vultures that are circling overhead. <laughs> they're just waiting for you to oh, drop. Yeah, aren't they? Yeah. yeah they're, they're like, man, we got, we got lunch. If this guy falls over, we got lunch. <laughs> And there are days when, it, when you got a 15-mile-an-hour headwind and you feel like the turkey vultures are circling overhead. And what are you going to do? And you have to make that determination, I'm going to keep going no matter what. Because it's not all, you're not always going to have the vultures overhead and you're not always going to have the headwind. It's going to switch. And, well, uh, yeah. and once you get past all that, the light at the end of the tunnel is so much brighter, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. And you have that sense of accomplishment uh, because, because, you, because you got through it. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. This has been awesome, Jeff. I appreciate you opening up and share. Is there any other good little nuggets you can throw at us? Oh, man. Um, I think, you know, I, I think the, um, I think just, just the main thing is that when we talk about this, this moment of surrender, which is kind of like what our, the theme of this is, is that, um, until, until you're ready, um, and it takes what it takes for everyone, um, but until, until you're really ready to make the significant changes in your life, whatever it may be, it may be financial, it may be alcohol, it may be whatever it is, maybe losing weight or whatever it is, but it's not until you get sick and tired of the circumstances that you're going to be willing to make the changes you need to make. You know, with with what I talked about earlier and in, in that article, you know, fifty the alcohol consumption and everything being up, where where would you recommend people turn to right now? People that are struggling or have a problem right now or, you know, dealing with the coronavirus and being at home and all that. you know, like yourself, I mean, when you when you said I'm done, where did you go? So if there is somebody out there that is struggling, what would you recommend? Um you know, Besides looking in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if, 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 you're, if you're comfortable talking to, to a pastor, you know, find someone that you, you know, I'll just say, when I, when I went into an AA meeting, and I, I don't know, I was a couple of weeks sober maybe, and I, and, I, and I didn't know John at all, and I saw him for the first time, and I heard him speak in that meeting, and I can't tell you what he said in that meeting. All I knew was that whatever he said, I, I wanted what he had. I mean, he had something in his life that I didn't have in mine. 
and I wanted what he had. So, you know, if you can find somebody, maybe, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's um, somebody that, that you respect, somebody that you, that you, um, they have qualities in their life that, that you want, and you're comfortable in speaking to them, um, I mean, you, just, you, you need to reach out. I think part of the problem that we have today is that people are just, you know, they, they, want, they want to put up the front that everything is okay. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, I put up the front for a long time that everything was okay. I go back and talk to people now about what I was like years ago, and they go, dude, we knew you weren't okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so you, you may think you're okay, yeah. and you, you may think everyone thinks you're okay, but if you get honest with them, they know you're not okay. Yeah. So you know you need to be willing to do to reach to reach out, um, to reach out to whoever you think might be able to help you. Well, and and that's a thing too is you know like I say we took way different paths, but last Sunday we had a celebration of life for my mentor. Okay. And you know he took me under his wing when I was 24 years old, mm-hmm. and helped me in life and business. Yeah. And the thing is is. You know, especially for like you and I who have been through it, mm-hmm. we're willing to help people. We're willing to, to yeah. share our struggles, what we've been through. Mm-hmm. It's just, like you say, it's a willingness of people coming up to us and say, hey, can you help me? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I truly believe you and I were put on this planet to do what mm-hmm. we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This wasn't, this wasn't my plan. I can tell you that. Right? <laughs> You know, I, even, even 29 years ago, I just wanted to get sober. All I wanted was to get sober. I did not want to pastor a church. I did not want to go through the things I've gone through in ministry. I did not want to go do, do the things I've had to do. But um, I just wanted to get sober. But uh, So, yeah, so if there's anyone here watching or anyone watching live or who will be watching this recorded later on, you know, if you need, if there's something... Give give me a call. You can find me on you know on, on Facebook. You can find me my church on the internet. Um, you Google Christ Community Church Sioux Falls. You'll find me. Um, yeah, I'll I'll be I'm glad to help and help and talk with anyone. Perfect. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So next month I'll be interviewing Whitney Stewart with an episode entitled "From Entrapment to Empowered." Conquering the confines of grief to experience life's full potential. Mm -hmm. Whitney started her journey of grief at the age of nine when her dad was killed in a car accident. Uh, Danny Richland was her dad. He was a close personal friend of mine. Whitney was nine years old. Um, Whitney has a lot to say about the experience of grief and will ask us to consider whether to allow grief to stop us in our tracks or move us through to the state of empowerment. I know our guests will also be interested in how Whitney uses her professionalism as a clinical dietitian nutritionist, certified diabetic educator, and award-winning Whole30 coach to help others embrace healthier lifestyles. Whitney's been seen on ABC, NBC, and Business Insider Media segments so it's quite possible that some people might recognize her i'm really excited to have whitney as our next guest we'll be sending you an invite after the after this and then we'll also be uh advertising it on my facebook page so yeah. we'll open it up for q a you good with that yeah sure absolutely. yeah if anybody has any questions down at the bottom you'll see 
uh, little chat forum or Q&A. Here's one, Jeff. What's that? Okay. So when you relapsed, mm -hmm. how long did it take you to realize and what were the struggles you went through at that point? I relapsed for, uh, I went to treatment in 89, lasted two weeks. And when I got out, um, well, after I got out, I stayed sober for two weeks and went back drinking again for, for a whole nother year. Oh, wow. So it was a whole nother okay. year. I went back out. Yeah, I went back out again. And, and I just, I hit a, I hit, I hit a whole, whole new bottom. Um, yeah. Uh, which, you know, I've been doing this long enough. I've seen plenty. And we mentioned our former roommate down mm -hmm. in California. I've seen many, many people who relapse and never have a chance to get sober again because they die before they do. And that could have easily been me. Um, I went back out and I was drinking. When I quit, I was drinking pretty much a case of beer a day when I finally quit. Yeah, a little bit more than me. Not much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so not everyone, not everyone gets, gets another chance. Again, I want to thank you for being here, Jeff. I truly appreciate it. No Thanks for opening it up and sharing. And don't forget, next month with Whitney Stewart. Thanks, everyone, for being here. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Jeff. Yep, you bet.